Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I just have a little prophetic word for somebody. So you can guess who it's for. You just you decide. I'm not going to call you up here. While I was in worship while I go, I was hearing what they were saying about the road ahead. And I feel like that someone's needing some direction tonight. And so I just had a couple of scriptures before you before I talk. The scripture that came to my mind is is actually um, Isaiah. What is this chapter? Isaiah 30. I love Isaiah, don't you? Does anybody love Isaiah as much as me? Isaiah 30, 21. But first, this in. Never know, it's doing an update currently right now. Okay, Isaiah 30, 21. When you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear his voice behind you to guide you, saying, this is the right path to follow. I love the previous verse. It's verse 18. It says, for this reason, the Lord is still waiting to show his favor to you. Don't you love that? This is a word for somebody. God is waiting to show you his favor. What the world is he waiting on? Take your finger like this and just go just like this. Excellent. Group participation. That's what he's waiting on. So he can show you his marvelous love. You know, I was talking with someone today and I was saying that if we could apprehend this thought, you know, we're all about apprehending right now, that God knows what is exactly what you need and he knows what amount you need to keep you constantly surrendered to his voice. So since he's such a good father, see now we didn't really father and mother this way, did we father and mothers? How did we do it? We didn't want our children to have any P-A-I-N. No pain because that would have proved what? Gone. That would have proved what? That's right. would have proved we were bad parents. So we did... A E word enabled. Good way to go. <laughs> and so then, when God came to us and said, Hey, that's not the way, then we had a harder time reinstituting actually what was a good father, a good mothering way. But see, Papa God's not that way, He's consistent, steady Eddie, right? So he says he waits to be gracious to you. He sits on his throne of mercy, ready to show you mercy. For Yahweh is the Lord of justice, faithful to keep all of his promises, overwhelmed with bliss, are all who entwine their hearts in him. How do you, this is a word for someone in here. How do you entwine your heart to him? Do you know whether or not your heart's entwined? Do you? 
How many don't know? Excellent. So we all know whether or not we personally have entwined our hearts. And see, whether you like it or not, that's God's plan. The creator, it's not religion. See, I've gotten it all mixed up. Y'all think God's religious. But see, the entwining process affords to you all that he has in his cubby, all that he has. All, and see, that's why it says, overwhelmed with bliss are all who entwine their hearts to him. He's the standard. He's the fixed point. And so we are the ones coming to him. Right? Truly, the Holy Spirit obviously led all of us. We all know that. Not to get y'all messed up. This is just a word for someone, so don't get all messed up with it. Overwhelmed with bliss. That sounds pretty happy. Mendel's been reading about heaven. It sounds like a pretty phenomenal place. If you don't know about heaven, maybe you should get that book and read it. Overwhelmed with bliss. Honestly, let me just give you a side note, sidebar. I think that when God said make earth look like heaven, did he, do you believe he said that? Yes. We had a wrong definition of heaven. And so then we've been trying to make something down here look a way that wasn't even like heaven. Open your eyes. Sorry. Overwhelmed with bliss are all who will entwine their hearts in him, waiting for him to help them. And then he says, people, weep no more. <laughs> Weeping's over. What, do you, what happens when you're weeping? You're sad. Yes. Disappointed. Yeah. Right? Anybody ever been sad? Yes. Did you cry? Yes. That's what he's talking about. Don't do that no more, he said. This is just a word for somebody in here. I don't know who it's for. It says, weep no more, because how compassionate he will be when he hears your cries for help. He will answer you when he hears your voice. And here's a, here's a rocky scripture for you. Ready? Verse 20. Even though, though the Lord may allow you to go through a season of hardship and difficulty, he himself will be there with you. He will not hide himself from you, for your eyes will constantly see him as your teacher. Then the verse, so when you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear his voice behind you to guide you saying, this is the right path. So I just pray that over whoever that's for tonight. And I just say, Papa, that we will do these other scriptures because they're, they're the pathway to get that number 21. We've got to do little 18, 19, 20, Isaiah 30. So if that's a word for you, I would behoove you. Do you like behoove? I, will be, I would behoove you to actually go home and read those scriptures. And pray over those over your life so that he will reveal himself to you in a new way. Is that good? Yes. Awesome. All right. I think I'm done with that.
Good stuff. So tonight, I have so much on my heart, but you know, I don't even know what we're going to talk about yet. So, um, C.S. Lewis said this. I was talking on Sunday about dying, and you know, really, it's interesting because the things that we hold on some to so, so hold on to sometimes so tightly are actually something that we're really afraid of so we're really not you know that there's that old adage that if you how is it if you hold on to something really tight but then if you just let it go it's really you know that that one do you all know that one what's that one who knows do you know it okay give it see <laughs> if Yeah, it's like that. You're going to squeeze the guts out of it, basically, because you're holding on to it too tight. And it's not even proof that there's love there, right? So anyway, it says that he said, the, ter- the terrible thing, the almost impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, all your wishes and all your precautions to Christ. I want to just talk about this maybe just one more time. I think Sunday we're going to begin talking about covenant and new inheritance and all the fun stuff that God has on his heart about that. You know, he He put on my heart this year that to apprehend our destiny because one of the things, even what I sent out today, was that there are things every day on God's heart that you actually have authority to apprehend. You know, I think it's really good to understand that authority is what Jesus died on the cross while he was dead. It says he went down to hell and he got something back from Satan, right? And he gave them back to us. And, you know, I love this line. I think I made it up. And he said, don't lose them again. Right? Don't lose them again. I went and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Why was that so important? Because that's the greatest thing that the enemy can cause fear in your life. That's why he wants to speak to people and say, your life don't matter. Life's too hard. Has has anyone... Ever heard the enemy say, life's too hard, it's just not worth living? Everyone, everyone, you don't even have to raise your hand, everyone, he has said that to everyone. I know you thought you were the special target, and I know that you thought you were the only one that's ever heard in your life. He has used that on all humanity. Why? Because he's the accuser. He's the saboteur. Uh-uh, right? He's the offender. He's the fearmonger. He's got a lot of girl names, doesn't he? And so what the enemy's strategy is, is that how many feel like, let me just say it like this, how many feel like they have heard the same fear thought a lot in their life and would how many would be open to just throw a few out there for me what you got Uh, yeah so 
every time anything is going to happen, you're going to die. Mayhem. What happens in your heart if you hear that? See, I propose to you that a lot of times the Holy Spirit wants you to flip those lies around on the enemy. You know, just I've just been tracking lately just what everybody's hearing, or a lot of people, not everyone. But it's crazy because I, I am sensing that a lot of times the Holy Spirit's trying to give you a target, and you, you fumbled the ball. You're running down with the ball in your hand, and you just lost it, and all of a sudden you're on you. So if the enemy's using, you know, you're going to die, which is true. (laughs) But what do you do with the information? Die immediately, die a horrible death, die too young, die too late. See, what's another one that you hear consistently? Yes, financial ruin. He loves that one because God said, what? Consider these flowers. He actually picked a flower that was a bulb. Phil Gold! (laughs) He actually picked a flower that was a perennial. For us to consider. Let's consider it, shall we? It's just like a tulip. That's my favorite flower. So what happens with these bulb type flowers is that you plant them in the ground in the winter. And nothing happens. Can't see a blooming thing. Super Bowl days come in. I'm doing field goals all night long. <laughs> you can't see anything. I have a funny story about this. I love tulips so much. So my, I had this house once, and I thought to myself, being the gardener that I am, as y'all know, I will plant me 300 tulips. Wow. Yes. And I will plant them all in a row. If you know anything about bulbs, they don't all come up at the same time, and they don't all come up. Some of them don't make it. Unless a seed, okay, never mind. So anyway, so I had hit and miss tulips. Not really the look I was going for. I learned that those are better planted in a bunch. But see, what happens is that it goes into the ground. You don't see anything but something's happening all the time. And he said, consider that little plant when you're thinking about how well I provide financially for you. He said, they don't toil or spin. They don't. They're just down there in the ground. And before too long, they get too big for their space. And so they have to peek their head up. See, he's always given, the the word has an answer for everything that the enemy throws at us. That's why Jesus demonstrated it to us in the wilderness. 
When he was in the wilderness, he demonstrated how the enemy was going to speak to humanity. And see, I propose to you that God's intention for humanity is to learn in 40 days the answer to all the enemy's lies that you'll ever encounter. He didn't intend for that to be a 40-year deal. But see, it's that stewardship truly of purity. You know, when I learned about motives, I learned about what's really in my heart when I go to do anything. Are you so self-aware that you realize what the true motive of your heart really is in whatever you go to do? And see, when, when we realize why we're on the planet, then we want to change our motives to be pure because the purity and the entwinement of my heart is what causes me to be a recipient of everything that he has to offer. It's when the enemy lies to me and I believe him. Then I begin to do a dance with the enemy. I do a dance with fear. And see, can I propose to you that every single fear thought is demonic? And so every decision that I make due to fear, I've just partnered with the demonic. And so I will reap the fruit of demonic worship because I'd exalted fear over God. That's why God said about fear, do not fear. He didn't even give you a big antidote for it. He didn't give you a 10-step program. He said don't do it because he knew partnership with fear would yield a fruit of the demonic. And then what would we do? What are we going to do with that fruit? We try to spend it. We try to spend it in relationships. We try to spend it on people. We try to spend it. And see, that's fear is the motive of fear is self-protection. But guess what? Fear never yields protection. Because it can't. Because the only one that can give you protection is a good father, is a heavenly father, is a creator, is the master of all things, is the maker of you. Fear and my decisions based on it have no component of it to protect me. Okay, that was two. What's another one? Anybody want to give me another one? Just give me a shot. Going to mess it up. Yes, we are. See, the, the thing, the thing, the thing that God is so good at is turning everything to good. See, the whole lie behind I'm going to mess it up is inactivity. The enemy, see, the, the only way that I truly experience godly training is to actually do something. To actually do nothing is a true orphan mindset, and it's... It, you know, I love this story that Chrissy told me today. She said that there's this guy that he was talking about how much God loves Afghanistan right now. And so, of course, he's a missionary there. That's why he said that. But he was saying that he's decided not to take any bodyguards or take any guns. And he says, 
that when he doesn't take any of those things, the signs and wonders that happen are crazy because he says the risk is greater. Why do we not see more stuff here? How much are you risking? I mean, truly, we hardly had, we hardly will even witness to somebody because we're afraid they'll reject us. Yes, they will. You may go up to somebody like Shooty does. I love Shooty. She's like, I'll just give it a whirl. I remember when she first, when we first started going to restaurants, and I'd be like, Hey, you got a word for somebody? No. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Now it's like, oh, I don't know. And now it's like, hey, I'm just going to say it. Why? Because you have to risk something to either learn from it or for it to have a chance to be performed. A miracle will never be performed without co-laboring from humanity. So you can sit over there and say, man, they sure do need a miracle. But if I don't risk anything to actually perform the miracle with his help, sure, he's the power. He's the power. I'm the declarer. I am the, I'm the thing on earth that his power is trying to flow through to accomplish what he wants. See, the cool part about when my mind becomes more like his is then I want it too. That's why you have to have an encounter with him in worship. That's why you have to spend time in intimacy with him. That's why you have to be spend face time with Jesus. Because you behold, you become what you behold. When you spend face time with Jesus, you can't walk away from there and not want to fulfill your purpose. And see, it's the face time with Jesus that expresses to me how invaluable I am to his plan. Remember how I said a couple weeks ago that Bill said, God doesn't need anything, but he desires you. He's not in lack, but he created you to fulfill a desire within God. What? So that means that all of that crazy stuff that the enemy lies to us about how many years do we spend circling around the drain of lies? It always ends up going down the same place. Right? And so God has to, that's what he was saying. He gives us an opportunity to be trained to mature in the faith of what we're really called to do. See, I believe that God would have set it up to where you came to the planet completely equipped already stuck in your spiritual family, already arrived, knew all about your gifts. It was written on your body somewhere, like just a little tattoo. This person came with this stuff. That sounds easier, doesn't it? But there must be some value in the journey, in the maturing process that couldn't have been accomplished any other way. Do you agree? Yes. And so when... I actually begin to lean into that process. See, like I said Sunday, I can tell if somebody's died or not. I have a hard time, I said it, wasn't it Sunday? I have a hard time connecting on a deep level with somebody who hasn't died because our motives are different. You know, those people at work you're trying to witness to, you're trying to talk to, the reason why there's only... 
they have to first come in through the door of Jesus to even get what you're talking about. Don't try to share with them some huge truth about the... I mean, just keep it simple. Once that It says that once they come to know Jesus, the revelation of the gospel becomes illuminated to them. Otherwise, they're dark. They're in a dark place. So it's really important... Let's, let's read a couple of scriptures to back up what Tisa's saying, shall we? <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians 3. My, could I read that whole entire chapter, but you know we'd be here all night. So let's go down to... Um, da, da, da. I mean, the voice, it says, verse 17, In any heart... Do you have a heart? Okay, in any heart where the Spirit of the Lord is present. Beautiful thing, the package of Jesus, you got the Spirit too. Right? Any heart where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is liberty. There's all kinds of freedom. Listen to what it says. Now, all of us with our faces unveiled reflect the glory of the Lord as if we were mirrors. And so we are being transformed, metamorphosed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. That's why he loves the maturing process right there. Do you understand what he's saying? That you are going through a metamorphosis. What, what's in creation, we have an example of this. It's the butterfly. You know, I've talked about this before. So a caterpillar makes a cocoon. And nothing can be seen in the cocoon, cocoon Right? And remember I talked to you about how that if you break open the cocoon, then the butterfly will come out with a deformed wing. Right. <laughs> See, we don't want to do this for our children or for each other. Yeah. A good leader, you're all leaders, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. A good leader allows the cocoon process. And we see that little wing starting to poke out. You don't run up there and cut that thing open. You allow what it looks like a struggle. You know, when I see someone that God is trying to increase their ability to understand wealth. Let's just use that. We all want to be wealthy, so... If I step in and supersede what God's trying to do, it's a really delicate balance between need and enabling. That's why you have to have wisdom. You see, because I know that in the struggle, I know that there is, is so much value, but I also know that I'm a giver. 
So I have to balance with wisdom, with the Holy Spirit, what is giving, what is enabling, what is cutting the cocoon open and what is not. And see, you're going to have to navigate that same thing all the time throughout your life. That's why he says you're being transformed. You're being changed into something else. That means we didn't come to the planet completely in full understanding, completely mature. I hope as a group we have given up hating immaturity. scratching my ear see because there's an antidote to immaturity it's not fatal it's not permanent hopefully it's what's in our minds that keep us immature i can tell you one of the number one things that keeps us immature is hating immaturity hating immaturity never matures us never so we can't hate on the very thing that God is actually doing in us. Yeah. Remember how Graham Cook says that if your little kid is just beginning to walk and you're holding out your hands, come on, come on. If they fall down, you just don't go over and kick them. <laughs> right? You don't go over. Stupid one-year-old, why can't you walk yet? God loves the falling down process. You learn to depend on him. See, you, see, he does not want you to be independent. See, if he says to you, he loves unity more than anything, unity is not a sign of oneness. You, if you're going to unify, it's going to be with somebody else. It's not a sign of you doing something on independent island and you say, I got all unified up. Well, you didn't unify with nobody. You hadn't talked to nobody, you hadn't done that with nobody. No, unity is, it's together. It means there's two things. And it says he loves it. And can I tell you, in the process of, of actually being able to unify, there's death. If you've ever been married, and you had a good marriage, you died. You die to all your stuff. If you're struggling in marriage, it's because you ain't dead yet. I would go down and find a way to die as soon as possible. Because marriage is never going to be good while you're still alive because you're independent and selfish. Marriage was about dying to your past, to your old way, to unify it's supposed to be a great example of what we do in the body of Christ. That's why we have a groom. Let's read some more. Shall we? Great. In 1 Peter, I'm just meandering around. This is kind of like my wrap-up. 1 Peter... Five. It says, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing. Say timing to your neighbor. In his hands. Do you know if you've done this? Don't you love it when we try to pick up the clock ourselves? 
the calendar. I think God, I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Mm-mm-mm. And we tell everybody, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to be this by here. I'm going to buy this by here. I'm going to have this by here. Don't you love that? And I love God. He's like, delay. <laughs> how many, how many are in a delay in, in some place in your life and you know it? Can I tell you, that's always going to happen when you're looking at the calendar. When you're dead, you're not looking at the calendar. You're so grateful for an ice cream cone. (laughs) No ice cream. You're so grateful for the smallest of things, the smallest of direction. That's what he said. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you. That tells me that there, I, I have to go through a process of getting low to go up because the getting low process strips everything off of me that I thought I needed to be something. See, that's the, that is the truth about purity is that there's not a mixture in it. There's not a mixture of, hey, this. I hope everybody likes me. I hope everybody likes me. I hope I get to lead worship and everybody likes. I hope I get to preach. I hope I get to teach. I hope I get to do this. I hope I get to go here. I hope I get a promotion. I hope my boss, I hope I get a raise. It's just always hoping for something else. I love verse 7. It says, "Put put out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he's always tenderly caring for you. See, that's, that's the thing we were just talking about. The lies of the enemy create activity that isn't pure activity. It creates a redundant amount of activity. Because it says this, be well balanced and always alert. Did you see the nap in there? Did you see the, <laughs> did you see the days off right there? We don't have... Be well balanced and always alert. Why? He's given you a key to life. Why do you need to always be alert spiritually? Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion. We clearly should be able to recognize that. Do you recognize the enemy in your life? What he sounds like. He obviously has a sound that's personally directed toward you and defeating you. I love it because it, it, I just think, well, man, if the enemy was so powerful, wouldn't he have said, get out your swords and weapons and, and just go crazy? He's just like, just be balanced. Be alert. You already got all this armor on. I mean, you're good. All he's got is that, remember, that little tiny sword? I mean, like, it's just the sword of accusation. It's the sword of suggestion. The enemy just has the sword. How many have, how many have become victims of the sword, this tiny sword of suggestion for more than 10 minutes? Don't you hate it when it lasts a whole year? And you wake up on the other side going, That was like the tiniest sort of suggestion back in 2020. He's a roaring lion looking for a prey to devour. 
I love it. Just take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with faith. Strong faith. This is the faith that you exercise when you didn't have rent. This was the faith you exercised when you didn't go to the emergency room when your shoulder hurt. This is the faith that you exercised when you waited for something that you actually were going to go ahead and do, but he said, wait. This is the faith when you gave away your entire paycheck. He just said, I got you. This is the faith. If you haven't been exercising, it may be the week, not not very vigorous faith. So see, that tells me that in... I love how he describes this walk so carefully. You know, God is always moving. He, we're always following him. We're yoked up to Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden's light. If you feel a heaviness, you're yoked up with something else. But he's also saying... You know, there's a dude out there that hates us. But here's the answer. It's just in, in this five little words here. Be balanced, be alert, resist him with your strong faith. That's easy. My faith was not exercised. It did not become strong right then. I already possessed it. That is really important to remember in this year of apprehending something, there's going to be opposition. If you haven't up until now known your destiny and been apprehending it on a daily basis and you're just coming into this and you're like, okay, I want that. I want to know my destiny. I know I want to know my assignment. I want to do it. The enemy's going to be like, no, you don't. They don't even know how to help you. No, that's not going to be any good for you. No, that's going to not meet your needs. He's going to do, he doesn't want you to apprehend anything that God's laid out for you. I love this. The rest of verse 9 said, well, you know, everybody else that's believing around the world is experiencing everything else. I know you thought it was just you. Isn't it funny how so much of the time, have you ever thought this? Have you ever thought whatever you're going through that nobody else has? Nobody else. Has anyone ever thought that? No one else feels like I feel. No one understands me. Anybody? Anybody? Hint, that's Lou too. I mean, even the Bible says everyone around the whole planet is experiencing the same thing. And you thought you were all alone. Don't you love it when we tell God, no one gets me. No one understands what I'm going through. There's no one that understands me. Have you ever told God that? Have you ever told, anybody ever told God that? What did he say? I heard him laugh. I don't know what y'all heard. I love it because he said, after your brief suffering... I know y'all thought it has gone on forever. Your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace who has called you to share his eternal glory in Christ will personally, do you see that I've read two scriptures about God personally intervening on your behalf? Hello. 
The devil just is sending some little imps, but this says God personally. I don't know. Is God powerful, more powerful? You do realize that the authority that God's given you is the power. The God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory, he'll personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in a place. Did he set you in a place? And build you up. And he has all the power needed to do this. He just gave you a snapshot of life. That's life in a little nugget. Get low. Go through some junk. Back the enemy off with your strong faith. Get restored to this amazing place you've never been at ever before. Has anyone experienced this yet? Yes. So you have to you have to remember that's glory to glory. That's glory to glory. You were okay before. You stayed in there. Fight, fight, fight. Stay in there. Stay in there. And all of a sudden, you're at a different place. And then all of a sudden, you're at a different place. He doesn't say you go from glory to some pit somewhere. Some cruddy old place. You drag yourself out again one year, two years later. He's giving you a snapshot of this well-oiled machine. This just keeps going and keeps going. And see, pretty soon you get old like me, and you're laughing at the enemy. You're just like, are you trying that again? Seriously, you trying that again? Not, oh my gosh, this might be me this time. (laughs) It's not you. I'm going to read one more. Hebrews 8 says, because we have this magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. Look at all of this that's on your side. I mean, isn't it the perfect painting of a victorious life? It's the perfect painting of abundance. You don't, you, he, he never intended for us to sit around in striving and worry and fretting and anxiety. And do you understand that's not his plan? I'm going to talk a whole lot more than in the next coming weeks on Romans eight. I just want to give you a little snippet. It's really good. Um, my last scripture though is, is over in Colossians. I think it's two. No, it's one. It says, this is a wonderful message, verse six, that is being spread everywhere. You know, when I sent out that thing from James Langford today about abortion, you know, it struck me, I think he said it was either 52 or 62 million abortions. Was it 62 or 52? 
62. Do you know it's 62 million people that didn't get a chance to do their destiny? 62 million people that didn't get a chance to do their destiny. 62 million. Does that sound like God or Satan? See, and see, you have to remember, you weren't. You weren't aborted. You could have been a statistic. I know some people in this room that could have been a statistic. But see, since you weren't, that tells me that your purpose is greater than you know. Your purpose, that's why he says this wonderful message is, is, is that is being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth just like it has changed you. And so I, I really want to encourage us tonight that what, what we're really talking about this year is something that I want you to love going after. Like every day saying, okay, I don't have to live the life I lived last year. I have something. I am here for a reason. I am going to apprehend something. I'm going to reach for something. And whatever is in me that needs scraping or dying or reconstructing, I just want him to do it. I think I read that scripture to us the other day, one in Ephesians. Yes. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. Don't you love that? Until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. That's what he's doing inside you. You're a construction process. That's what you are. And who is the foreman? Jesus. Of your little building. I love it. It says, this means that God is transforming each one of you into the holies of holies. So don't be mad if you're not perfect in it yet. Stay in the construction game. You know, one of the weirdest things in our business of construction is we had this lady one time and she had all of this plumbing problems. It was an older home. And so we had to go into her house and dig a huge hole. Tear up the cement. It was a cement foundation. Why? Because they had to replace all of this, these sewage lines that were all messed up. You know what? We got that hole dug, and it was massive. And she decided to not finish the project. And I was thinking to myself, what is going on? And it's not like she didn't have the money or anything. It was another issue. But I was just thinking, what was going on in her mind that said, yeah, I think I'll just leave this huge hole in the bathroom. See, that's what we do sometimes. We do that. God, he has to dig out some stuff. And we're just like all of a sudden, yeah, I think I don't want to finish this project. <laughs> I think I'll just check out of this game because it ain't going like I thought it would go. And, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable and, you know. And he's like, no, I'm trying to, he said, I'm trying to make you, this is verse 21, 22, his dwelling place, the power, the power of the Holy Spirit is living in you, active and breathing and moving and accomplish, accomplishing things. To me, that's the best life ever. Come on, Mendel.
Thank you, Tisa. Oh, man, I have so much on my mind and in my heart and stirring in my spirit that I, I had to really sit over there and push in, press in, and say, Holy Spirit, what on earth, what is it that you want me to close up the service with? And I heard giraffe. Yes, giraffe. And so I was like, what on earth does that mean? And my, the first thought that came to me was a giraffe reaches up high to eat. They don't focus on the things on the ground to eat, but they eat on the things above. So they feast on the things above. I, I feel like that's what the giraffe has to do with tonight. And, you know, I, I said it the other day, but um, there's a, a real big theme going on in the spirit right now. And it... Uh, and I can't even begin to try to cover all that tonight right now, but try to piece it all together. But the apprehending of our destiny, the key to it all, we've been saying, is this pure uh, connection with him, this purity in our, our relationship with him, in our intimacy with him. And there is just a huge invitation. I want you to understand that this isn't just a challenge or to you, um, like, can you go home and do this? This isn't just a, um, a recommendation or some good advice. It's actually the Holy Spirit inviting you to a greater level of operating with him in your design and in the spirit. It's, it's an invitation he's extending to us right now. And so um, I just want to make sure that we're looking at that correctly. Um, and so I had this um, encounter with him that I wrote about and I wanted to share with you guys. I feel like it was, he brought it back to my mind. And this is just my response. So this was from the beginning of December and Tisa prayed for us um, at the end of the worship set. And I had this encounter with him at that point. And she, in the process of praying for us, she prayed um, Ephesians let me try to pull it up here. I think it's Ephesians 1.18. Yeah, Ephesians 1.18. And so she prayed in the Passion Translation. It says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. So that means if, until you experience the, you fully get it of what, of the hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. So that means I pray that you'll fully get it, that you'll fully get it, that you'll fully get it on a greater level, what Jesus died on the cross for. It's what Tisa mentioned earlier, that he died because he so desired us. He, because we were his inheritance. We were his inheritance, okay? So I had this experience in that moment that I just felt something different on that moment when I heard that voice and, and with that verse. And so I, I just wanted to share part of what I wrote um, with you. Um, you know, I've made this commitment to be vulnerable, to share my experience. So, so you can know what's available and, and, um, 
that it can speak to you. So I wrote, Jesus, I sensed that you opened a door, a door to the more for me, between you and me. I sensed your heart carefully, delicately choosing this next step in romance with me. Cautious, not out of fear, but out of reverence for how sacred our romance is. I didn't miss it, Jesus. I didn't miss it. I felt you, and I caught a glimpse of your invitation. And I'm just, I'm saying, I'm declaring today, this is a, an invitation to all of us. Yeah. This, this was from the beginning of December, and it just was a, a, a foresight, you know, looking ahead of what was happening right now. Of what, so this is an invitation for all of us. I caught a glimpse of your invitation. I felt the breeze pulling on me as you opened us up to a new atmosphere. I felt the power of what lies beyond that door, and I sensed that it would hold me like nothing before. I sensed that it would bind our hearts together in a brand new way, intertwine. That it would be a dream come true, the essence of what I've been hoping for, but I didn't know how to obtain. I know you, though. You're so sensitive and tender. You truly hold our relationship in such a sacred way. Cherished, I know, not something to be taken lightly, not something to be rushed into even. You reveal the more of your heart when you know that I'm ready to receive it, to cherish it like you do, to hold it as sacred like you do. Jesus, thank you for cherishing it so, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for holding it <clears throat> as sacred like you do. I sense the depth of how you care in this. The sanctity of it is a shelter for me indeed. I sense that this is the place where my heart in its truest form is truly safe. This is where my heart, in its most natural state, is truly held, cherished, and protected. You hold this as so valuable, so cherished, so sacred, and that alone is a priceless revelation. I know that when I've desired something for a long time, something that I know is tethered to a deep place in my heart, I guard it carefully. I know that its rejection or mishandling will cut me deeply, so I proceed with caution. I measure my steps and how much I share carefully, treading out into its deeper waters only with those I feel safe. I sense that this is much the same for you. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you're now telling me that you feel safe enough with me to reveal the more of your heart to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your tenderness is so endearing to me. Your sensitivity overwhelms me, flooding my heart with affection for you. It draws me to you. It compels me to love more deeply than I have. It compels me to share more of myself with you in the same way. You cherish and hold sacred like I do. 
your value of your own heart, of what you hold in your heart, speaks of the truest love, of love in its truest form. Because I've known what love is and what love isn't. Too many times it's been tossed around carelessly, mishandled and neglected. I know what it means to love deeply in a way that cherishes and protects love itself. But you, Jesus, you must love even more so this way. This invitation you gave, the one I felt, the one your tender heart of affection so vulnerably opened to me, I sense was an invitation to know a greater depth of your love and desire for me. I felt it for a brief moment like an aroma that wafted through a newly opened door, and I sensed what you were inviting me to. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you for making yourself more vulnerable to me. Thank you for telling me that you were ready, or more importantly, that you felt I was ready. I can't explain with words what this means to me, but you have my yes, Jesus. What response can I give that is suitable for such an occasion? But with all my heart, with all that I am, I receive and accept your invitation. It would be my deepest honor to know more of your heart in this way, for our hearts to connect in this deeper place. Jesus, I want to know the depth of your desire for me. I want to know, to feel it, to hold it in my own heart to place it in the safest place in me where it can't be tarnished or tainted. With all that I am, I desire to receive the fullness of what you invited me to. I think I'll stop there, but I just want you, I hope you all can, can relate to this response that I had to the, the preciousness of this invitation. And I'm, I'm sharing this today because everything that Tisa has been talking about is part of this invitation. It's again, it's not something to be taken lightly. I mean, Jesus is inviting us on this deeper level. He's saying, hey, you're ready. No, no matter who you are right now, you are ready to know me on a deeper level. I'm ready to trust you with my heart on a deeper level. And, you know, the more we know him, the more glory we, of him shines on us. It's the more we behold him, the more we become like him. It's the key to everything that we're talking about. So I just want to invite you to, to say some of these lines after me, okay, if you want to partner with this personally. We just say, Jesus, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for making yourself more vulnerable to me. Thank you for telling me that you were ready, and more importantly, that you felt I was ready. With all that I am, I desire to receive the fullness of what you invited me to. 
So tonight, Papa, we just say thank you for all that you have made possible for this moment in time. I just, I know in my spirit that you preordained this point in time for each one of us personally, that when you created the heavens and the earth, you knew what was going to happen today. When we were, when you created us, you knew what was going to happen today, that we were going to say yes to an invitation that your son Jesus gave to us to enter into a new and deeper level with him. So we say thank you, Father God, for this moment in time. We say thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening the eyes of our heart so that we can see, so that we can understand, so that we can comprehend in this moment what you are doing on this earth and what your son is doing in inviting us into this deeper place. And we say, Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for trusting us with your heart. Thank you for, for extending this very personal and sacred invitation to us. We won't take it lightly. We will, we will be like the sons of Issachar who know the season and know what is important in this point in time. And we won't let it pass by. And we won't take it for granted. The depth of your love, Jesus, is something beyond what we can even imagine at this point in time, but we want to know more. We want to know. We want to feel it inside. We want to know you in the deepest way possible. So we say yes to your invitation tonight. And I just release the anointing for this invitation, the anointing to hear and to receive and act upon this invitation. I release that out into the room right now and to anyone hearing this message. So we thank you for the power of the anointing, and we thank you for your supernatural power, your supernatural love that is, is making all things possible. We just thank you for who you are. I can't thank you enough. I just can't thank you enough, Papa. I just have to tell you that I love you. So we just say tonight, we love you. 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 You have our yes, Jesus. You have our yes. We have our yes. And we say, let it be so just as your heart desires. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay